If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Psalm chapter 31. Uh, This prayer and the timing of this prayer um, is one of, this prayer, first of all, is one of tremendous beauty and peace in our lives. And then it's also a grace to us that it comes at this time. I've been overwhelmed time and time again with the Psalms that like God just seems to put them perfectly in his place. And this is truly God's gift to us uh, during this time being in Psalm 131. The word picture that this prayer offers are stunning. They can play on our imagination for a long time if we let them, if we let them just saturate, sink in, if we meditate, the word, the word I had idea, or the idea that I had was meditate on them. If we could just chew on them for a long time, it will offer us a tremendous amount of beauty. In fact, the imagery of this prayer has been one that's played on in um, humanity uh, before in, in pictures as a picture of peace and vulnerability. And we get to pray in this way. This prayer is short and yet it's very simple. However, its meaning is far larger than any words can contain. If a picture is worth a thousand words, then David has mastered his poetic craft with this psalm. This psalm is up there with Psalm 23, where David just knows how to work his imagination into a short amount of words. In fact, in the ESV, this is 64 words. But its offering is something that we get to take with us into the the whole of life, not just part of it, but all of it. And this picture, even though it's not a full picture of a Christian's life, it is one that because of its beauty, we would hang on our wall or we'd post it on our social media pages and not in a, any sort of fake way, but in, in the realness that is contained here. Like this is an element of who we are. So in this prayer, there's something for each one of us to lean on, to glean from, to meditate on for, for simply for years to come. And I pray that even before we pray this prayer together, that the imagery of this prayer will be woven into the fabric of our lives and that we will learn to live it. And so I'm just going to pray this for us and then we'll we'll get into it. Uh, Psalm 131, a psalm of ascent, a psalm of David. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me, but I have calmed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. This prayer paints us two pictures, two positions, really. In in the first, in the first verse, we get to acknowledge our ignorance and then the, the limits that our knowledge and our skills have. And then in verse 2, we find peace through a calmed and quieted soul because of the mother, mother's heart of God for us has once again comforted us. One, one verse shows the need for humility and the other shows the soothing relief that can only come from us being with God. In our day and age, uh, we strive. We strive to do great things. In, in, in our pride, we want to know as much as we can. We want to do as much as we can. We want to ex- have all these amazing experiences. And we want to be experts. And we, we are um, not very content with the mysteries of this world. 
In fact, we believe that the mysteries are there so they can be solved. There's no mystery too great for mankind to wrap its mind around. There is nothing that we can't solve, nothing that we can't fix, nothing that we can't imagine and then do. And even if you don't believe this personally, us as a society, this is something that we believe. Our society believes this. There are many great thinkers that think that every problem can be solved. And pride has infiltrated us as a people and as a society to the point where we're like those who at the Tower of Babel think that anything that they set their minds to can be accomplished. That anything that we set our minds to, it's possible. I mean, we have people going to depths of ocean, people planning villages on Mars and everything, because this is how far our mind can imagine. We can solve problems and figure out the solutions. If we're just given the right people or the right situation or the right amount of money to do the right research, then all of our woes can be cured. And there are many times when people that, in a sense, at least in their actions, believe that we are beyond God, that we can science our way out of any problem that we might have, that we can outthink or outsmart or out-overcome anything with enough heart and ingenuity, then we, can, then we can do this in our lives and in our culture. And yet we have this prayer. This prayer is of one I'm going to put it on this slide. This prayer is of one who is tried, but is starting to realize their proper order in life. My, my heart is not lifted up means that our desires for our life um, are, do not outpace the desires that God has for us. If our eyes are not raised too high, that means we're attempting to be content in all that we have. We're not always looking for more. We're being grateful for the things that we have. And as we learn to not occupy ourselves with things too great or too marvelous for us, this doesn't mean that we don't have goals or that we, we don't have things that we're, we're going for. It means that we become satisfied that we have limits in this life and that we can work within our limits. Our, our life learns to just live within the confines of what God has for us. And it's during times like these, times like that we're in right now, that, I mean, we're meeting online, the, the whole thing. It's times like this that we realize that God's ways are way beyond our ways. And that in that, we need a childlike faith and a trust that He is in absolute control. That He is truly God, King of kings and Lord of lords. God's ways... Um, are too marvelous for us. God's ways are greater than anything that we can come up with. And this prayer is one of submission to the ways of God. There is a confession here that I think is beautiful. It's that we don't know. We can't, we don't understand. We can't control what is going on right now and in our world, but even in our own lives. That we're no longer confident in ourselves. And this all leads us to humility. Pride is what it looks like to be confident in oneself and one's abilities and one's finances, whereas humility is what it looks like to just be confident and solely reliant on God. 
And in humility, we get to submit our ways to God's ways. This is the proper order. And we can't be truly at peace without this proper order. We submit to God's ways. We don't know or control what's going on in this world. And again, in humility, we are admitting that. That we don't know and that we do have limits and that we are not the greatest, that we don't always win, that in all reality, we are weak and needy. And as we submit to God as our hope, our hope is renewed and we find peace and rest in who he is um, to us. I think of it this way, no matter how mature we get, no matter how mature we get as people, and no matter how mature we get with God, we're always, we always need to learn to follow the ways of Jesus. We, uh, scripture says repeatedly that we are to have a childlike faith and a childlike dependence on Jesus. And with a childlike faith, we can come to God, lay our head on his breast, and be soothed. In our world, strong and proud people are not the one who, as a pitcher, have uh, their heads laying on that of their mother. This is not strong. People don't do that. They're the ones standing up, being bold. But weak and needy people, broken and contrite people, this is the picture that David gives us. Somebody with their head on their mother's on their mother's chest, or even the nursing infant in this case. This is the picture that David gives us, that we're letting go of our pride and we are vulnerable as a child. As, as young children and even uh, infants nursing, while the mother, the mother prays over the child, she is giving the child uh, life and love, not just like caloric intake, right? Through, through the, the feeding, but the element of love is what brings peace to that child. The mother knows so much more than the child. She knows both the dangers of this world and she knows the joys of life as well. And she, um, I find that most mothers, uh, right, and you mothers at home, you can say this, but she wants her children to have a better life than the one that she's had. And even if she's had a good life, she still wants good things for her kids. But here is this picture of peace that this psalm gives us. It's a baby being soothed by the mother. The baby is full. The baby is content. The baby is safe, even if they're unknowing. God is not referred to as a mother in, in the Bible, and yet David gives us this picture. And though um, the, through the heart and provision of a mother, the mother heart of God, uh, or the mother heart that our, our mothers have had for us and you uh, wives have for your children, it didn't start within women. It started like as if it's absent from God. It started with God. God placed that heart in mothers to show us uh, how good he is and how good the mother heart um is God our Father's heart for us as well. God is not a gender, praise be to God, only referred to as such in the Bible and, and so that we can have maybe a little bit of understanding of what God is like. And it is fair to say that just as God is our good Father, God is also our good Mother. 
Every good earthly mother and father gets their cues from their heavenly father who leads us and guides us. Notice I said us, like I'm including myself in being a, a good father. So there you go. Um, I have a good mom. I have a, a, a great mother. I've watched my wife become a good mother. And I anticipate to watch my daughter become a good mother as well, Lord willing, if he gives us that many days. And there is something within moms that dads just don't have. And dads, we can admit this wholeheartedly. There's something as men that we cannot give that mothers give without ending. And I love this psalm because, in part because it gives dignity to women and, and, and at least in the recognition of their calming presence in our lives. But this is also a picture that has shown me how much God loves me. That God loves me more than my mother does. That God loves me more than Mo loves our kids. That God's love is even greater than that. More unconditional than that love. God's desires have calmed my life. My soul has been quieted and been a huge blessing as the events of this last week have unfolded. We get to be this dependent on Jesus. Not only for our holiness and our righteousness and for salvation, but as we live out the rest of this life as well. We need to lay on our our heads on his chest, knowing that in all this chaos and confusion in life, that this is all beyond us. Very practically right now, we need our souls to be calmed and quieted. Amen. The children never tries to be the child never tries to be equal with their mother they just don't know how to do that and in this picture we can see our position correctly that we are the children we are the children that just need to be comforted i was thinking in scripture in first corinthians 3 where paul says to the church i fed you with milk and not solid food He was writing this to a church that needed to remember their roots, that needed to pretend not to be more mature than they are, but needed to be reminded that they are children and that they need to come to Christ for that thing. Or in Hebrews 5, 12 through 14, where the writer tells us, "You, you need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the work the word of righteousness since he is a child. And I would say that's true of us. Like we're unskilled and so we are beyond our limits. And so we need Jesus in that. But it goes on, it says, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And we don't like to think of ourselves as immature, but in this prayer, in the prayer of Psalm 131 and the the verses and the first verse and the humility that is contained in them it it, it is in its uh, essentially tells us that I thought I was more mature than I was I need to go back to milk the solid food is too much for me I need to go back to milk and it's okay to admit this it's okay to admit that we're not as mature as we think we are and that we think if we think that we are beyond needing to go to Jesus and look to God as a good mother, then we've gone beyond our limits. 
We need to learn. We need to grow. And in that growth, we need to remember that we need, that we still have need, that we are still weak and needy, that our neediness is a major theme of our prayer life as the Psalms have taught us. That this is not a a woe is me uh, or a self-pity sort of prayer, but it's one who knows in humility our right position to God. We are not great, but He is great, and we long to be more like Him in everything. Uh, Again, uh, uh, on the, the... theme of spiritual milk. 1 Peter 2, 2 and 3 says, like infant, like newborn infants long for spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up to salvation, if you have indeed tasted that the Lord is good. God is good, amen. Trusting in Him and quiet is calming and quieting for our souls and for our minds. Turning to Him in times of uncertainty is not only right, but it is good. And even though we want to have all the knowledge, trust is better than knowledge. Humility is better than acting in ignorance or in haste. And I pray that practically, practically for us during this time, that we may find calm in our souls, that we'll learn to quiet our, ourselves uh, through Jesus, and that we can find that in the one who calms the waves of life, and that being Jesus. That we can slow down in our life, and that this slowing down could serve our souls well. It's not going to be easy, and humility never is, but it could be life-giving for us. And as we practically these days know that our hearts are not lifted up, if the last week proves anything, it proves this, that our hearts are not lifted up, we can submit ourselves and our desires to Jesus. We can tell Him our worries. We can confess our frustrations. We can tell Him that all that is in our hearts and we get to pour that out. As our eyes are not raised too high these days, we can look. To, uh, we can look with our eyes with the simplicity of Jesus in our lives. We may not have all that we need. We may have wipes instead of toilet paper, as was shared earlier. We may have different different things that, that uh, like the White Castle burgers might be a little bit too much, but um, at least there's food. At least it will do something to sustain. And we might not have all that we thought we needed, but we still have breath. We still have this life. We still have Jesus. The world is in a panic and we get to set our eyes on Christ and allow his love to slow us down and simplify our lives. And we get to have our needs, our needs shifted while Jesus shows us just how much we need him. My verse for this last week and probably should be for more than just this last week is I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelously for me or too marvelous for me. We get to admit our limits and start to live in the practicality that we just don't know. That we have mystery in our life and that this is okay that we don't know because God knows and our faith is in him and our faith is being stretched and groan as if we let it be. My prayer this week, and for the next few weeks as we walk towards Easter, that week is that we can be comforted. In the churches that I grew up in, and the ones that I, I've, I've 
worked in, we've always celebrated Good Friday, well, Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and Easter. But I don't ever remember celebrating Holy Saturday. If we did, I apologize. I, I just don't remember it. And um, I believe Holy Saturday is the picture that we need in times of uncertainty, like, like we live in right now. Holy Saturday is the day in between the crucifixion and the resurrection. It's a complete day of uncertainty. It's a time of deep and honest reflection when we admit that we just don't know. Jesus came and he lived and he died. And once he died, they didn't know how the resurrection would look. So they lived in this. They had hope, but the hope was far beyond their knowledge in this time. And it was so incomplete and incompetent that honestly hope is all that they had. And so questions entered in and we get to allow those questions to remain unanswered and be, um, and in the midst of these questions, even though we have them, we still need to rest and our heads still need to be on the chest of the one who loves us more than anything else in this world. We are actually helpless children during this time. But the good news is, is that we have a good father who is also the best mother that can come in and calm our souls and quiet us within uh, all, all that we have. And I, I pray that we do that, that we can calm ourselves in Christ and I pray also that this, even as this, this psalm ends, O Israel, so O people of God, O grace and mercy church, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know 